Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Damian Henning with Shapeshifter. Damian, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey Roy, it's my pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me. So we just concluded our Kickstarter campaign working together on this one and Shapeshifter being the world's first shapeable stiff brim sun hat. Please tell our audience where this idea started. What's the backstory here? Oh, wow. That goes back to uh, my first uh, time I bought a sun hat when I, on one of my first trips abroad back in late 2001. I went to Australia and uh, I was sick of globbing sunscreen on my face all the time. And it was so hot and humid there that it just, you know, would, would sweat off the second you put it on. So I thought, I'm just going to try a sun hat and see how that works. And when I bought it, it looked great. Well, it didn't look great, but it looked good. The brim looked, you know, nice and stiff. It looked like a fedora. It looked like Indiana Jones or you know, Paul Hogan from Crocodile Dundee, you know, I was like, all right, now I'm a proper Aussie Bushman. But unfortunately, after a little bit of time and surprisingly little time with the humidity there, and then I washed it a couple times by hand, the shape just started to turn to mush. The stitching was still fine. There was nothing really structurally wrong with the basis of the hat. And it still basically protected me from the sun. But I went from looking like Indiana Jones to looking like 1930s hobo talking about the crash around a campfire. And I'm not a vain person, but you don't want to look like a complete dork when you're out on the trail and hiking around. And uh, the fact that it was just so mushy too, it it never worked all that well in the wind. If it was ever windy, it just blew all over the place. So next time I went uh, on my next trip abroad where I was doing a lot of hiking or bushwalking, as they say in Australia, I went was in northern India in uh, 2006 in Himalayas. And uh, before I went on this one, I remember how bad the first sun hat that I bought just kind of collapsed on me. So I decided to just stitch in a regular piece of copper wire to a club, uh, sun hat that I bought in an army surplus store. And it worked pretty well. It worked for about six weeks. It held it up against the wind. I was able to fold it up, put it in my bag, which is something I never could do with the other sun hat or any other, most sun hats in general. And I thought, hey, this is pretty great. But of course, in six weeks, you bend it at the same spot over and over. It broke. And uh, I just kept slowly, it's not like I decided at that moment, okay, I'm going to try to sell these. There's going to be a huge market. Boom. It just kind of happened organically. With every trip I went on, I, I, I improved the design a little bit. I made the wire a little stronger, made it a little bit more resilient, sewed it in in a different way, got different types of sun hats to experiment with. I'd be cutting them up and I'd be sewing. Sometimes I sewed things with dental floss for extra strength. Sometimes, actually, when one of my uh, versions uh, worked pretty well for a while, actually. I used one of those gear ties. They're kind of a uh, relatively new thing from this other entrepreneur. Uh, they're really handy, actually. I own some myself. But uh, I sewed one of those in there, and that actually worked for a while, but after a few months, even that broke. So everything kept breaking, and then I, I finally decided, after enough people asked me, hey, where did you get that hat? I'd like to get one like it. And I said, well, I made it. So yeah, unless you want me to make you one, you can't really buy one. 
And usually they were a little disappointed. They thought, well, that's, that's a shame. I'd, I'd buy one of those. And that's when I thought, maybe there's a market for this. Maybe I could do something with this. But I kept talking myself out of it. And I thought, what do I know about sun hats and investors and manufacturing and advertising and the internet? I get a website and, you know, selling it. I, that's, that's not me. I'm not a, I'm not an entrepreneur. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, why not? I've got to at least give this a try or probably end up regret. I'd rather try it and fail than not give it a go in two, three years down the road. I see that somebody else thought of the same idea and is doing very well. Absolutely. I mean, let's, let's talk about that, that leap of faith that you took. I mean, many entrepreneurs, especially a lot of people that listen to our podcast and read our content are always like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could leave my desk job or my, my comfort zone and really, and really try it. You know, I know there's a lot of information out there on the internet, but, but what was that process for you in terms of going out, going about trying to find distributors, manufacturers, building out a website, you know, all of that process? How long did that take and, and what did you do to get there to this point today? Wow, the, it, was, it was a long process. The, uh, the first the thing that I had to, once I finally found a cable that actually was resilient enough to my likings, I spent months just in front of the TV bending c- cable back and forth. Writing down how strong it was until it broke and, and experimented with all sorts of different stuff. But once I finally got the, my basic design right, trying to find a, a manufacturer, it uh, it took some time. But I figured if any, with with the the fact that the internet exists is the reason that I could do this. I wouldn't have been able to do any of this without the internet. And I I figure I've got the world's information basically at my fingertips. Virtually everybody does. If even if you don't have a computer, you got a library card, you can do the research yourself too. And I, I just tried to find out how do people find manufacturers? Where should I go as as a for person who's never done it before? And I found my way to Alibaba. Alibaba had a lot of great um, uh, manufacturers listed on there and, and some bad ones, too. you got to sift through them all. You look at reviews. You do your due diligence. You email them, see if they get back to you, see if other customers are happy with them. And that's, uh, that's how I found the manufacturer that I'm going to end up working with. Now, I've actually, there were two couple other ones I was going to work with as well that I also found. Um, one, of, well, one way to find them, one of the match manufacturers I wanted to work with wasn't even listed on Alibaba. But I used another another company uh, that um, was able to find me the information from another Sun Hat. There's a Sun Hat from, I don't want to name it by name, but another Sun Hat from another store. Pretty, and it was a pretty good Sun Hat, but I thought I'd like it to look similar to this. this. I'd like the, a lot of the, the basic you know, structure to be like this. Of course, I'm going to make a lot of changes, but I want to find out who actually makes this thing. And they weren't on Alibaba, and I went through every single Sun Hat in Alibaba. It took me about three days looking at every single one to see if I could find it. And then I eventually hired this uh, sort of uh, information data company. I think I paid about 150 bucks to find out who manufactured this for me. And then they got back to me with it. And then I was able to find their email. I sent them some emails, talked to them on the phone, and I started doing things over the mail. I, and then I, I found another supplier too, and I was kind of deciding between the two uh, from Alibaba. So between the detective company, me going backwards from a, a, a hat that I found, I just want to find out who made it so I could try to make some modifications to make my own version. And then another company that I found through Alibaba, I, I was doing things through the mail at first, and it was just not going very well because they kept screwing things up. And every time you want to make a change, I was doing emails, taking photographs, sending every time you send it to them, it's another 50 bucks because, you know, sending internationally through couriers, FedEx or DHL or UPS, they charge you a pretty penny. So then I had to keep doing that. So I decided, you know, if I'm going to make this happen, I have to just go there. I can't, you know, and from, I've done a lot of traveling in my life. So me, I'm no for a stranger to new crazy environments and being able to adapt to them. So I went to, um, I went to uh, to Asia to work to work with these to look at some of these manufacturers, and uh, I was able to, to talk to them face to face, find out what they could do, what they couldn't do. We made some designs together. I knew what was possible as far as mass production because you think something's possible just because you can do it yourself in your home and make little modifications. That doesn't mean it can be done on a massive scale, at least not cost effectively. 
quite often they say, well, yeah, you could do that on your own, but our factory, we can't do that with our, with our machines. It has to be done by hand. So I just thought, well, yeah, I've got to go there and talk to them in person. So that was a big, I took that leap of faith when I went to Asia. That was the first really big investment that I I made because it's not it's not cheap to go over there and spend uh, spend a month and a half, which is what I did back in this past February, I think. But I, the reason I did all this is just because I believed in the idea. I believed that it would be uh, there was a market for it. I believed people would like it, and I knew that if I liked it, and I don't buy that much stuff personally, and if I do buy it, I want it to last a very long time. I figured if it's something that I would personally spend my money on, there's a very good chance that a lot of other people would too. But yes, going to Asia was was the big leap of faith. But I thought even if it didn't work out. Hey, I still went to to Asia and got to look around a little bit. Yeah, cross it off the the travel bucket list, right? <laughs> exactly. I've never I've never been to some of the towns that I went to. The first the first trip was a little bit of a, a half business, half uh, backpacking explore, exploration trip because I thought I might as well. If this whole thing goes belly up and doesn't work out at all, uh, then at least I you know did a little bit did, did a little bit of traveling and the trip wasn't all for for nothing. So let's shift gears and talk about the crowdfunding campaign. When did you know you wanted to launch this product using crowdfunding? And what were some of the things that you did to prepare for the launch? Well, I don't know exactly the, the, the time when I decided that I was going to use crowdfunding. But the more I thought about uh, having to do this, I knew I was going to have to raise some significant capital. And I had been familiar with Kickstarter and Indiegogo, but I wasn't you know, always like I'd heard about the Veronica Mars thing, you know, and how, how that was like, my friend of mine is a huge fan of them, uh, of that, of that film. And he, I think he contributed as well. And they offered prizes. I thought, oh, that's a pretty good idea. And then I heard some of the, you know, the bad things about crowdfunding, like what happened with the laser razor and that, that cooler that kind of, you know, had a lot of problems. And so I, I'd heard about it on, on the news that way. And then after, you know, just through media, not the newscast, but on the internet, I'd heard about a story here and a story there. So then I thought I'd look a little bit more closely to look at the campaigns, look at videos. And I thought, you know, I think my product would probably be okay on this because I can really get the word out about it. And if I can make a good video, because whenever I told people about it, yeah, they didn't really, uh, sometimes they said, hey, that's kind of cool. And sometimes they said, yeah, whatever. I knew that I really had to get a visual out there to show people exactly what I was talking about. You can do that much better with this product than just explaining it. And crowdfunding, I figured, would be the perfect way to do that. So I looked a lot more into Kickstarter and Indiegogo. And I was, uh, after doing a lot of the, the research, decided to go with Kickstarter. And I thought, Hey, and if it doesn't work, at least I gave it a shot. And in this way, I'll also be able to test market and find out if people are actually interested in it. Because if nobody wants it on there, I'll decide, well, maybe I'm wasting my time and I shouldn't pursue this any further, not get any patents or anything. So, but I took the leap, the leap of faith and I decided to go with, uh, with Kickstarter and I'm very happy I did. Now, as far as preparing for the launch, well, that was, that was another, that was weeks, maybe months in front of the computer. I, I, the, the main thing I did was I'll, I tell people that I went to YouTube University. YouTube University is basically uh, just me saying that I learned virtually everything I, I know, not just from YouTube, but a lot from YouTube, but also from other uh, blogs about what uh, crowdfunding people, people that have done it, what, what advice they give, people that are asking questions, and you know other contributors give advice like CrowdCrux and Crowdster, and even Kickstarter had its own blog about lots of questions that they asked. And I just sat in front of the computer trying to do as much research as I possibly could, and I got a lot of a lot of great information from uh, uh, Sal Brigman's site. I got a lot of information from uh, some other people that just, all you have to do is, go, is type in on YouTube, keys to a successful Kickstarter campaign. And you're probably going to get thousands of hits. Now, you can't watch every single one of them. One of the problems was I started to over, overwhelm myself. I started to get what I called analysis paralysis. And what happens with analysis paralysis is you just get so much information, trying to process it all. I was taking notes. I was pausing. I was watching things again, seeing what people said, seeing what sources they utilized. You know, uh, between press releases and getting email lists and building a tribe, and all of those things came from me uh, watching YouTube and finding all this out on the internet because I don't have any friends that have done anything even close to this. 
So um, do you want to know exactly what's the, the, the main, there's one main thing that I did uh, before I launched to try to get a good launch because based on all the research that I did, getting a good launch was very crucial to having a successful crowdfunding campaign. So do you want to know what the, the, the main thing that I, the, that I did for that? Build your email list, right? Well, that you'd think so. However, unfortunately, with email, I hadn't used email socially in over 10 years with Facebook. I, I, I'd had some email addresses. I had a few. But, you know, aunts and uncles and friends that don't use Facebook and people that I've been in touch with for ages, the email list probably wasn't good anyway. And I thought, I just, I don't have that email list, but, but I've got a lot of friends on Facebook that I keep in relatively re- uh, regular contact with. And even if I don't, they'll, I'm sure they'll, a lot of them will get back to me if I uh, send them a message out of the blue. So I thought, how can I utilize my Facebook friends instead of an email list? Because I, do, I would have liked to have used an email list, but I just, I didn't, I didn't have it. And, and the best way I, I guess I could have uh, Facebooked all my friends and asked them to send me their email address, but it seems like it was a little counterproductive. So I went with this thing called Thunderclap, which was a huge help for me to get a good launch. Uh, you can find more information about it online. There's a, there's a good uh, YouTube tutorial up about you know what it does, how it works. Lasts like a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. And but basically, you're just sending a message to people, asking them. You start a Thunderclap campaign, and that's that's it's what Thunderclap does is they they post things to people's walls whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or maybe even Tumblr, they post things to, to people's newsfeed at the exact same time when you ask them to do it. Of course, you have to get your friends to agree to let that post go up automatically. But if all of those posts go up at the exact same time, it can create at least a little bit of a quasi-viral buzz, uh, not just nationwide, but worldwide. I was hoping that's what would happen, and that is what happened with me. But I did spend about three and a half, four days in front of the computer sending messages personally to every single one of my Facebook friends. I didn't just post on my wall. And I didn't just send one big bulk message saying, hey, everyone, please join the Thunderclap. I sent a message to every single person. And I've got about 700 Facebook friends, and it took the better part of four days. And that this wasn't just like eight-hour working days. It's from when I woke up, you know, and I stopped basically to go to the bathroom and eat until I went to sleep for three and a half days. I was just doing nothing but telling people about the Thunderclap campaign and asking them to join it. And then I, you know, did it all again. And I got about 250 people to join that Thunderclap campaign. So then as soon as my project went live, when they agreed to have it go on their wall, I had a preset picture and message went up on their wall saying, hey, the, the uh, Shapeshifter Sun Hat is now live on, the, on Kickstarter. Check it out. And uh, sometimes my friends would even say, hey, I watched this video. It's pretty cool. My friend made this. Check it out. And that really helped me get a good launch. I got just under $5,000 on my first day, which I know it's not much for a lot of the standards of a lot of the people on crowdfunding. But for one guy with no team coming out of nowhere who has no you know, reputation for being good or bad or knowing what he's doing. I was, I was very, very happy with that. So Thunderclap was the key for me to getting a very good launch. Yeah, solid advice there. I know um, you put forth a lot of different marketing efforts on this project and hired multiple companies like our agency Inventus Partners. Can you talk about where you saw the biggest return on any of those investments? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I started out with what I, for about the first uh, 20 days or so, I just went, went to the loan. And I got pretty much up to my goal, maybe $2,000 before my goal, but I still had a lot of time left. And uh, I, was, I, I, I started researching who to use. And then I, um, I, you know, I did some other some little stuff like with uh, Backer Hub that worked okay. Backer Club worked a fair bit better. Backer Club worked very well. Uh, and they were just, it was a few hundred bucks here, a few hundred bucks there. You know, it's just a relatively small investment for a relatively small return. But, you know, they, it, they did their thing. They, they, I got some, big, some more numbers for a couple of days. But then I thought, if I really want this thing to, to, to get more eyes on it, because I was getting a lot of great feedback about the video in particular and about the product in general. So I thought, if I could just get more people to see it, I think I could get a lot more traffic and generate a lot more interest in this product because it really is unique. And a lot of people really do like it all over the world. But how to 
how can I do that? So I did some research online. Uh, as what big companies work with uh, crowdfunding campaigns to really get a lot, a lot more eyes on them, get them a lot more exposure. And um, I actually came across, at first it was called Command Partners, and I saw some of their stuff, but then I saw that they merged with Adventus and became another company called Adventus Partners. And then I actually got in touch with the, one of their um, representatives. And this was in early July sometime when I was, was thinking about what to use and who to use. And they said, well, we're all booked up for the month, month of July with other clients. And that alone told me that, well, they're pretty, you know, they must be pretty good if they're all booked up and they're turning me down. And I, I hunted them out. But uh, then I told them, well, actually, my campaign's going to be very long. I also made it a 60-day campaign against the advice of everything I saw on the Internet. Uh, thanks to my father, who's a very, very wise and experienced individual. individual he recommended that I go uh, for the full 60 days because I just needed some time would be on my side if I, if I did that. You know, forget the whole urgency thing with thirty days. I understand, but if you, he said, just be, be, do it as long as possible. So I thought, why not? I'll, I'll, I'll regret it. I think I do if I don't. So I did make the last sixty days, and I'm glad I did because in July, when Inventus came back and told me, uh, yeah, we were busy for the rest of the month. I said, well, actually, my campaign doesn't end until August nineteenth. So can we work together in the last two and a half weeks of August? They said, yeah, we could do that. That'd be great. So I, I got everything set up with them. But then I thought, well, for July, I'd just like to work with somebody. And I don't want to just, you know, be piddling around. I still do it about $1,000 a day, which for me was great. But I thought I could do a fair bit more if I could get more eyes on it to really spread the word. So I worked with another company um, that I was considering before called Funded Today. And they did have time to help me in July. And I was able to work with them for the rest of the month of July. So for about the last 20 days, 19, 20 days in July, I worked with Funded Today. And they had some, they, they gave me some good returns, had some good, uh, good ideas. And I was, I was very happy with what I had from them. But then when I switched to Adventus, my numbers went up even even more significantly. Like they were they were doing very well with Fund Today, but then when I went with, with Adventus, I mean the numbers for my campaign don't lie. Uh, they they took a uh, wouldn't say it was a massive surge, but it was a very, very significant uh, uptick in pledges from August first until the end of the campaign. And uh, Adventus did a, did a great job. No, we were glad to be involved with that project and really rock it out there for the last few weeks. I know we were pulling in anywhere from. $7,000 days to twelve or $13,000 days there towards the end. So, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. it's all about finding the right audience. You know, it's not necessarily just about driving a bunch of traffic. You know, it's about driving the right traffic. And I think that's what we were able to find is really find your audience that you're going to be able to tap into now for future products, future campaigns, and really, you know, build the, you know, four or 5,000 people that backed this campaign. Those are going to be obviously your best test subjects, you know, using it, promoting it, sharing it on social, and then, you know, selling it to all of their hiking or outdoor friends as well. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, initially, I meant this to be primarily for an out the outdoors person. Like I meant for this to be the, the tricked out Land Rover of sun hats, you know, not the Ferrari of sun hats, not the status symbol, not the expensive, not the really sleek, sexy, great looking one. I want it to be durable. I want it to be, you know, super wood resistant, which it is. I want it to be waterproof, at least in the sense that water won't hurt it or hurt the cable. Uh, it doesn't keep your face dry, but it definitely keeps the rain from pounding your face, and the cable doesn't buckle in the rain. But I, 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 I thought that, that was my main audience. But the more I, I looked into it, I, thought I was getting a lot of people that weren't really avid outdoors recreational enthusiasts, but they just wanted a good sun hat that they could manipulate and carry around easily, and they liked the look of mine, and they liked it for the look. And I was quite surprised, pleasantly so, that it got out to actually more audience than just the hike. But the hiker group, the outdoors group, the camper group, the, the, they were really like my core audience, the core people that I'm trying to market this to. And that's um, who uh, Inventus seemed to target pretty well. Absolutely. So what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned through the whole process of launching your first crowdfunding campaign? Oh, wow. The, uh, it's it's don't, don't ever kick back and sit on your laurels. Don't celebrate until the, the pipeline is finished and that, that campaign is over. And even then, 
there's no no rest for the wicked. You've got to stay on this thing, like like a good friend of mine says, like white on rice. You can, you cannot like if things are going well, that's great. But you're gonna have a, when you get a lot of backers, you're gonna have a lot of people with concerns, a lot of people asking you questions. You have to be there to answer every single question. You have to treat your backers as your investors. Cause that's what they are. You're working for them. You want to keep them happy. And and I'm I really learned. I was I was pretty sure I was gonna do that anyway. But I, I really that that um, lesson was really hammered into me as the campaign was going. Uh, because I was in, uh, in, in, in Asia, actually, for about the last month of the campaign, actually. Thankfully, I had a good, I had good Wi-Fi connection, but I was always on the computer almost every single day answering questions. I always got questions on, my, on the Shapeshifters uh, email uh, address. I got questions on the regular Kickstarter message board, and I got questions on regular comments on my campaign, and I got questions on the comments to each individual update that I put up. And I got questions and comments on the Facebook page for the kick for the shapeshifter sun hat. So I'm trying to keep all of these straight and then just hunt them out and make sure that everybody that has a question, I get back to them as soon as possible. And I, and I put, posted a lot of updates and I made sure that I'm not going to forget about my backers. I'm not going to leave them in the, in the lurch. I, I, I'm, a, I'm really humbled and flattered and honored that all of these amazing people took a chance on a nobody from, from nowhere that, that had no reputation for even being able to, to tie a shoe, let alone make a, a really solid outdoors product. So I just had to make sure that I was on top of all their concerns. I listened to them. Thanks to their feedback, I decided to go a little bit faster in making new colors. Initially, I was only going to have the original color you see on the photo and in the video. But thanks to all the feedback that I got, uh, you know, basically, I, I just felt like I was designing this with the, you know, the investors, with the backers. And that's what I wanted to do. I want to see what the people want. And uh, based on that, now I'm going to have three, three total colors. It's going to come in a light khaki. And a very dark charcoal gray, as well as the original adventure mix, as I call it, which is a very neutral color. So, yeah, your backers are your, you've got to keep them happy. Do all that you can to make sure that they, they are not forgotten about. That's the, the, probably the biggest thing that I learned while I was actually in the midst of the campaign. Now, solid advice there, Damien. This gets us into our launch round, where I'm going to rapid fire questions at you. You good to go? All right, we'll see what I can conjure up. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Uh, in a lot of ways, my father, he was an entrepreneur and uh, he worked very, very hard. He, he didn't have very much money and, um, you know, he just through hard work, innovation, keeping his customers happy. He was able to make a very good living by, by working very hard, providing very well for himself and his family. So he's probably my biggest inspiration to become an entrepreneur. Nice. So if you could take a hike with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? You know, surprisingly, uh, as much as I'd love to say, you know, one of the the, the big names like uh, you know Steve Jobs or Elon Musk, I'm going to say that uh, lady uh, Joy Mangano. She's the one that invented the Miracle Mop and a whole host of other things. I saw that movie uh, recently with uh, Jennifer Lawrence in it, and it, her story is incredibly inspirational. I did a little bit of homework to see how accurate it was, and she was just able to pull off something absolutely incredible. I didn't have a family that I was raising and a full time job I was working while I was putting this together. And I had the internet. She had none of those things. She had a family. She had the, the no internet. And she had a full-time job. She was working. And she was able to pull it off. And that was very inspirational. And she just keeps doing it. And she never seemed to let it get to her head. So I don't know what she likes to hike, but it would be I think it would be Joy Mangano. I would love to meet her someday. Well, yeah. I mean, funny funny tidbit. We're actually working with Joy. Uh, we, we do all of her product development. And she, she may like hiking. We just finished her luggage line, which just achieved incredible success upon her launch. So, uh, we might be able to hook you up there, Damien. <laughs> that would be that would be fantastic. She seems like a really positive, energetic person, my type of person. So yeah, that would be great. Uh, what book would you recommend to our audience? Oh, uh, as far as uh, crowdfunding or marketing or life in general. Oh, yeah. book. 
Jeez, I I'm not the biggest reader. I do read sometimes, like when I get a good book, I can't put it down. But uh, as far as marketing and uh, life in in general, just some great uh, tips for for books. I can't really. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you, 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 got, you got you caught me with a with a for a lack of something to say, which is normally not uh, not like me. But uh, I did. What did what did I read recently that was just uh, just fantastic. Well, it's not really a great. It was just very entertaining, but it wasn't really a great life lesson. Oh, I wish I'd had more time to to think about this. I sound like an idiot, but uh, I, I will say. Let, let me just say, like I, I it, it, watch the film Joy, and also watch that film called Tucker. It was done in the late '80s with Jeff Bridges, and those are about two stories about entrepreneurs that really had a dream and a vision and risked everything to make it happen. And um, they're, they had different degrees of success, but it just shows that, you know, the perseverance and the dedication of the human spirit against all sorts of crazy odds. I actually did watch that. And another one I actually watched uh, was Hustle and Flow, a film about a, uh, a rapper who wanted to make his, his dream happen against all sorts of odds. He, he was living in, a, you know, in a, a slum in Memphis, was able to, be, to get a lot of uh, a relatively large amount of record success by just persevering and becoming a musical entrepreneur with just like me out of nowhere and nobody with no contact just based on talent and hard work so sorry i couldn't give you a book but i'll say that film called joy the film called tucker with jeff bridges and that film called hustle and flow so sorry i couldn't give you a book <laughs> no it's 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 hard out here for a pimp right that's uh old terrence exactly, howard's call exactly i got you exactly I yeah you. yeah that's the one that's the one and it's a great film even you know it, but it's just a great story of perseverance uh, with with the human spirit and to not give up and not quit even when you know everything looks like it's stacked against you absolutely all right last question damien what does the future of crowdfunding look like i think it looks very very good especially showing i was a little bit discouraged by all the successful stories i see on crowdfunding were by companies that already were established and had a lot of they already had a financial backing they had a lot of followers they had finances that they, they could put up and they were putting great campaigns together but they had graphics designers they had photographers they had marketing directors they had you know promotions coordinators logistics teams they, they you know all these these people that knew what they were doing and had done it several times so i thought how can i possibly compete against these guys what do i know about this stuff but the fact that i could do it alone uh, and i just believed in myself and i believed in the product that gave me a really um a lot more hope for crowdfunding the future for, for just a little guy, for people, nobody's coming from nowhere with nothing but an idea. That gave me a lot of hope for Indiegogo and Kickstarter. It, basically, if I think if I can do it, I'm certainly not a talented entrepreneur. I never claim to be. But if I, can, if I can find success on it, I think anybody can. If you just do your homework, do your research, do your due diligence, and don't give up. Solid advice, Damien. Please give our audience your pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where people should go, and why they need to go buy a shapeshifter hat right now. Well, basically, it's good for anybody that either enjoys or has to spend a reasonable amount of time in the sun. Uh, you can find it on Indiegogo in demand. Uh, the Kickstarter page is still there, but the campaign isn't live anymore. But there's a link uh, if you do want to go that route to take you to the Indiegogo in demand page. But if you just uh, Google shapeshifter, one word, sun hat, one word, and either Kickstarter or Indiegogo, one of those pages will come up, and you can you can order one. I've got them on Indiegogo now for what they less than what they'll retail for. I'm offering free shipping within the United States for up to five hats per per pledge, and we might be able to work out something else too. If you if you're if you're interested, you send me a message on Indiegogo or to Damien at shapeshiftersunhat.com, and we, I can get you more. I've done that with a couple of people, but uh, it's it's super 
wind resistant. It's waterproof. You can fold it up, shape it a million ways. Watch the video. Basically, it can explain it a lot better than I can. It's about five minutes long. But even if you don't like the video, even if you don't like the product, I guarantee you'll be at least entertained by the video. And if you don't want one of these hats, I guarantee you'll know somebody who could use one. Absolutely. Damien, you've been awesome. Audience, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the show notes, a full transcript, links to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. Damien, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Roy. I had a blast. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. 